If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Ordinary time is coming to an end. Very soon. Now, if that statement sounds weird to you, it's understandable. Because 21st century American life revolves around a cultural calendar, or really actually several calendars. So our life has seasons and rhythms and landmarks, like the school year. We've got back to school, fall break, spring break, graduations, summer break, or the shopping year, Black Friday, holiday shopping, after holiday specials, summer shopping, back to school shopping, whatever. Or the fiscal or tax year. Right? We've got first quarter, second quarter, year-end, the April 15 tax deadline, or the sports seasons. We've got football season, Super Bowl, March Madness, Draft Day, Spring Training, the Indy 500, the Stanley Cup Finals, All-Star Break, Summer Camps, the World Series. See, these are all of the cycles that sort of structure our life in 21st century America. They're the templates for how we think that help us understand where we are in time, what we're doing or going to be doing or supposed to be doing on any given day. In a sense, they, they order our universe. But there is another cycle that can provide structure for our lives. Now, throughout most of the last 2,000 years, at least certainly in Christendom before the Protestant Reformation, the primary structures for time certainly the annual structures of time, were the agricultural seasons and the liturgical calendar. Now, the agricultural cycle is almost completely lost on us in the 21st century. I looked this up, and according to the United States Department of Agriculture and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, less than 1% of Americans today make their living by farming. The rest of us, we just eat what they produce. Instead of the agricultural calendar, our lives are structured around those other seasons that I mentioned a minute ago. And the other template that structured life throughout all of Christendom was the Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox liturgical calendars. For almost all of us Catholics today, the liturgical calendar basically just determines what the scripture passages are going to be in the Mass and what color vestments the priest is going to wear. Most of us no longer think in liturgical time any more than we think in agricultural time. But ever since I became a Catholic, well, actually, even before I entered the church, I've, I've always been really attracted to the idea of living in liturgical time, of sort of seeing the universe and organizing my mind and my soul and my activities through these ancient biblical cycles. I mean, it was part of the mysterious, ancient, biblical worldview of Catholicism that sort of drew me into it. But I need to be honest. 
I have never really pulled it off. I've, I've never really lived that way. I've never really been able to think that way. I, I, I want to, but I think I'm kind of too much of a product of my upbringing, my life as an evangelical Protestant, my culture, my professional career. In reality, I organize my thinking, my activities, my world around everything I mentioned a minute ago, the school year, the tax year, American holidays, sports seasons. You know, every January 1, I make a New Year's resolution to live into and around liturgical time. But what's sort of crazily ironic about that is that I defeat my resolution by making it. Because when I make the resolution, I'm defining the beginning of my year on January 1. And that's not the beginning of the liturgical year. I mean, I I can't even get that right. I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Most of you who are listening don't think and live around the Roman Catholic liturgical calendar. But maybe we should try. And I may have some episodes in the near future about why that might be a better way to live. But why am I talking about this today? I'm dropping this snapshot episode the day before Thanksgiving when most of you are gearing up for family and feasting and football, followed by Black Friday, that most holy day on the American retail calendar. So I don't even know how many of you are even going to hear this. But I thought I should release this snapshot today to let you know that ordinary time is coming to an end. Let me explain. The secular calendar year ends on December 31, New Year's Eve. But the liturgical calendar year begins on the first Sunday of Advent, which is the first of the four Sundays before Christmas. So the secular year ends with Christmas. The Catholic year begins with it. Just like the secular week ends on Sunday, the ancient Christian week, including the Catholic week, begins on Sunday. Things begin with Christ. And so, that means that the liturgical year ends, the last day on the liturgical calendar, is the Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent. So, it's almost like that Saturday is the liturgical year's New Year's Eve, and the first Sunday of Advent is the liturgical year's New Year's Day. Does that make sense? Now, without getting too granular into the details of the liturgical calendar, because this is just supposed to be a short snapshot, the liturgical year has seasons. So, you've got Advent, which begins the year. That's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Then there's the Christmas season that lasts through Epiphany. Then the season of Lent, which is the 40 days leading up to the Saturday before Easter. Then there's the Easter season or Eastertide, which lasts from Easter Sunday, 50 days until Pentecost. Now, all of these seasons have colors associated with them, which dictate how the church is decorated and which vestments the priest wears. But in between these seasons is ordinary time. Now, I know you're asking, why is it called ordinary time? Well, there are two explanations for the name, one of which is easy to explain and makes sense to everyone, but is wrong, and the other one that's not obvious, but is the correct explanation. So, the easy-peasy way to explain it 
is that it is the time during the year that isn't a part of a special liturgical season like Advent or Lent or Eastertide. So in that sense, it's ordinary time, right? Simple explanation, but totally incorrect. The correct explanation is that the word ordinary in this context comes from the Latin word ordinalis, meaning numbers in a sequence. So it's etymologically related to the word ordo, from which we get the English word order. Things are ordered. Now, there are either 33 or 34 weeks in ordinary time, and they're each numbered, week one, week two, week three, and so on. Why are there 33 or 34? Well, that depends on the date of Easter. Some years there's 33 because of where Easter falls. Some years there's 34 because of where Easter falls. Because Easter itself is tied to lunar cycles. And that is a really long story for some other episode. So, anyway, ordinary time refers to the parts of the liturgical year that are not included in the major liturgical seasons like Advent, Christmas, Lent, and Easter but are counted in an ordered or ordinal manner. So, these weeks are numbered. Um, The first Sunday in ordinary time, the second Sunday in ordinary time, and so on, up to 33 or 34. And that sort of signifies the ordered flow of time out sort of the more celebratory seasons. Now, during ordinary time, the church focuses on the ministry of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the church with the readings and the liturgies reflecting on the ongoing journey of faith and the daily life of the Christian community. And this year, 2023, ordinary time ends on Saturday, December 2, which is the last day of the 34th week of ordinary time. And since most of you probably won't listen to this snapshot on the day it's released, the day before Thanksgiving, by the time you hear it, Ordinary time is ending very, very soon, or it already has. Now, some of you might ask, does the church have some sort of a major feast day or liturgical solemnity to sort of mark the end of ordinary time? Well, yes, it does. We end the liturgical calendar with a major solemnity, which means that it's a holy day of obligation when we are required to attend Mass. And I'm going to release another snapshot in just a few days to tell you all about that. Because that feast, that end of the liturgical year solemnity, is very important and very interesting. So, anyway, go, go. Go feast with your family, watch football, do your Black Friday shopping. But ordinary time is ending. And we begin a new year in just a few days. If you can, and I'm going to try with you this year. Let our minds and hearts and maybe even our activities live with at least one foot in that mysterious ancient biblical universe of the liturgical calendar. And in a few days, look for another snapshot episode about the last major feast of the liturgical year.